Hi guys. Happy New Year. We haven't been together since middle of December. So now it's middle of January. How many, how many people's New Year have started off pretty darn good? You'd say, yeah, it's going really serious. How many would say it just sucks so far? No, don't, don't, don't raise, <laughs> don't raise your hands. That would not be good. I mean, you don't give it a break. You're only 17, 18, 19. What is it today? 18 days in. If I'm within two, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Um, we're going to be uh, covering tonight the idea of uh, when things have kind of fallen apart in some area and, and, and it seems irreversible. You know, everybody goes through setbacks in life. Um, how, many, how many of you, oh, don't, don't, let me put it this way. Reflect for a moment <laughs> on your journey <laughs> and you know that you've been through setbacks in life. It may have been economic setbacks, might be relational setbacks, can be health setbacks, right? It, it, all kinds, there's all kinds of areas it comes in. So you've been through that, but it's different than it. The setback I want to talk about is the setback that doesn't feel like you can turn it around. We get setbacks, and often we know, well, we, we can turn it around. So we just have to re-strategize, re-plan, you know, a little bit more patience. We need to do a few things. But then there's setbacks you, you, you hit at a time in your life or a challenge where it's like, I don't know if I'm coming back from this one. It, it can be, it can feel that in many areas of our life that I don't know if I'm coming back. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been there because if you haven't, you will. <laughs> Those can, uh, for a lot of people, they're relational setbacks. For instance, I, I don't know if we can recover from this. I think, I think it's just at a place I don't think we can recover from. Um, for some people, it, it's emotional. Uh, in fact, I was just, on a text today with somebody who's basically replanning their life because of the emotional stress of their life, huge emotional stress. And over a long period of time, not like just one event kind of thing, but you know. So this, this person was, uh, as they're telling me uh, that they had re-strategized, replanned, because we've had conversations. So they've replanned and their plan is, is, is hi guys, is, their plan is about like a five month plan from now so that they can have to do some things to get to the point where they can actually hit that restart button. And their final comment to me was, I don't know if I can get through five months without breaking down. That's a person that's feeling, I don't know if I can come back from this. I don't know if I can. Those, those can feel like you just, I'm so far down, it's just too far up. Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Now you can raise your hand. <laughs> Setbacks can feel very irreversible. We're going to be taking a look at, uh, at uh, Job as uh, not totally, but a lot. And I'm going to talk to you about five practices quickly. Those five practices are things that you need to incorporate, that, that the person that I was talking to today is going to need to incorporate, okay? They need to do this. Um, that, these, these things are going to get you into a position where you can make the comeback on this thing. So uh, here's a great scripture, Job 30, 
well into the book. It's 42 chapters long. And so Job 30, and here we have a great little scripture, and it says this. Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. Now that's an interesting uh, can we say scripture from the basis of, of how Job was reflecting that no matter what he was looking at, there was no light of day in it. He didn't have that moment where he could look through and say, well, I'll be through this and out the other side, and there I am. He is reflecting something. I think that happens when us, within us when we go through this, and he says it this way, the churning inside me never stops. You know you're really getting tied up with something when that makes sense to you. When it's like, this thing's just constantly churning inside me. More or less he's saying, my guts are all upside down. It's just all tied up. It's all tied up. He went through an awful lot. Uh, you know that. I mean, he lost every area of his life. Like everything we covered that you could lose in, he lost. So there wasn't one area untouched, physical, mental, emotional, everything. Uh, what he owned, his family, um, his position, his roles, everything was touched. There wasn't anything left untouched. God only reserved this when, when Satan was, was getting the permission from God on Job. This was the only reservation that God gave. He said, you, you can't take his life. Well, he took everything but. So this guy went through the mill. Now, this is probably, even though it's almost in the middle of your Bible, if you were to open your Bible that way, this is probably the oldest written book in the Bible. It was probably written first before all other books, before Moses wrote the Pentateuch. So you're talking about going way back. God put this in there and has this 42-chapter story for you because he wants you to understand something about him and the questions that you get in life when you go through things. And then what you can do to begin to build back. Building back is not easy, but you can do five practices and it's going to help you. So what do you do when you've been devastated, like Job was devastated? I mean, it's so big and it's like I'm not getting uh, out of this. Well, you have, to, you have to work on this word trust. Trust is a key word. That's not the first practice. That is just something that I want you to reflect on. Without trust, um, it's going to be really difficult to come back. But there's, here are the five practices that you want to start with. Number one, tell God what you're actually feeling. How, ma how many here are really good at telling people, and maybe God too, kind of, not exactly what you're feeling, but in fact, maybe it's a ruse. How you doing? What's the common response? Doing great, doing, great, doing fine. Okay. It's just automatic, right? And, and I'm not faulting that in casual exchanges. But if that is the depth of your emotional practice, do you understand that's not significant enough? That can't be the depth of what you practice. 
you have to have ability to actually deal with emotion. Some of you are getting scared right now. Okay, just tell the person next to you, I'm getting scared. He's talking about emotion. The thought of even telling God exactly how you feel can be a, a struggle. When God listens to you, guess what he wants above all things? Honesty. Just be honest. He wants honesty. Now, because he already knows when you're lying anyway, so like, <laughs> does it make sense? He knows what I'm feeling, but I'll tell him that I'm feeling this way. Doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense, and it certainly doesn't do anything for you because identifying your emotion before God is critical to the authenticity of your relationship with God. Did you catch that? If you don't really uh, identify the emotion, how can you have an authentic relationship with God? Because you're hiding. You're in a place where it's not you. It's some person you're manufacturing and throwing out there. That isn't what God's interested in. He, he wants to actually interact with you. And for him to interact with you, you have to be fully present. And by the way, the emotion is the way that you can best tell whether you have an authentic, present relationship with God or not. So if you're frozen up in emotion and you can't tell God how you feel, it's kind of like the, the old man and old woman. You, you know this old story, right? Old man, old woman, old story. They end up riding in an old truck, and she brings it up after 50 years of marriage and says, you know, you never, ever... Do you know this old story? No. <laughs> really? Seriously? <laughs> that was good. You're here. I know you're here. You're being authentic emotionally here. <laughs> you never ever say that you love me. You know this one? And, and he, said, he, said, he said back to her, look, if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> now you know that old story? Yeah. Okay. What was the problem? <laughs> Authenticity. And so you can't have an authentic relationship with God unless you're actually going to be honest about the emotional world that you are living in. Fake emotion doesn't work with God. Doesn't, God doesn't want you to give him fake emotion. When you are honest with God about your emotions, you're actually entering into a form of worship. Did you ever think about that? What are you honoring about God when you're authentic about your emotions? He's safe. He's good. I can be honest with him. Do you know that that's worship? You're acknowledging God. You're focusing on God. You're focusing on God. You say, but I'm telling him that I don't like what he's doing. I don't like what I'm in, and I'm complaining, and I'm doing this. And God says, yeah, great. You're focused on me with that perfect. That's actually a worship. Never thought about it that way, did you? So when you're authentic in emotion, you're actually in a phase of worship. So when we read the Psalms, how many, how many like the Psalms? You just like the Psalms? They're great Psalms. Like you read the Psalms and they're like emotional. Like they're like, you know, uh, God kill them. You know, God kill those ones over there. <laughs> you know, God rub their noses in it over there. 
they're very, very emotionally authentic, right? There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot, and that's why we relate to it. But then it always comes back to the idea of the processing that's going on between God and the writer. In your life, authenticity is really important to your relationship with God, and your way out of irreversible circumstances is always going to be your relationship with God. Job 1.20 says this about Job. Job stood up. He tore his robes in grief. By the way, um, that's a Middle Eastern custom to, to do. Like, if, if, when, when grief hits, loss hits, okay, shave the head, just what it says here, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and, what's the word? Worshipped. Now, that's really interesting because if you take a look at the way that he worshipped as the book goes on, he did a fair bit of like complaining and pouring out his anger and his confusion and his. That's authentic. How can you have worship without that kind of authenticity? In Psalm 116, no, I got to read Job 711. Oh, let me express my, uh, my anguish. Let me be free to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. That's Job. He's saying, let me do it. He said, I'm going to do it. And he did it. Psalm 116 says, I believed, so I said, I am completely ruined. What, what is that about? What's really being said here? Well, simply what's being said here is something really straight up, which is that because I believe in you, I can complain to you. Where does an atheist complain? Just a funny thought. The mirror? I mean, what? <laughs> so the writer is saying, because I believe in you, I can complain to you. Remember I said it's entering into worship? It's authentic. You're entering into an authenticity with God. You can't do that if you're going to throw out the fake emotion. If you're going to live in a world that is really just fake on that stuff. And then he fell to the ground and he worshiped God. So any kind of loss, you're going to have four emotions. I'm going to write them up here. I'm not going to take the time just because they don't have the time. Yeah, you're going to have four emotions in any form of loss. Are you ready? You're going to have to write them down because they're not in your notes. Anger. You're going to, it's not whether you will have them. You lose, you get these four things. Got it? It's not whether you will, you will. So you're going to get anger. Um, anger's gonna, anger's gonna sound like, you know, some questions, um, that, you know, why is this happening to me? Why me, God? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever done that kind of thing, but I have. Why is this happening to me? Another one is grief. Grief is the question, what have I lost? Oh, man. Job was saying, I've lost literally everything. Like it was done. I mean, he, the, the cupboards had been robbed, taken, his house emptied, everything's gone. Everything is gone. What have I lost? Shock. What's going on here? And finally, you'll recognize this one like fear. What's going to happen next? In any loss, there's also fear. Uh, here's an interesting thought for you about these things is that, you see, grief doesn't 
hold you back. It doesn't freeze you. Grief, people don't get frozen in grief. Grief is good. <laughs> okay, I didn't say greed. That's Wall Street, right? I didn't say that. That's that old movie. Um, grief is good. Why is it good? Because it's a process. You're processing loss. Fear freezes you. Because when people go through grief, if they transition and they transition that into fear, then fear is what is going to happen? What's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen with my future now? You know, it's all changed. What's going to happen? What's it going to be like? You recognize this by loss. Fear is the one that will freeze you. Grief won't freeze you. And grief is a guaranteed emotion in life with what you lose. And, uh, and so is shock, and so is fear, and we've covered anger. You need to express every one of those emotions to God. You really need to express every one of them to God. He can handle any emotion you've got, but you've got, he gave them to you, right? You know that, right? He, he actually created you to have these, these emotions. He created you in his image. You're, you're, you're very special. In Job 7, 11, another version says, I can't be quiet, I'm angry, I have to speak. He's blaming God. He's confused, he's devastated. What's happening here? Emotion, and I'm going to just be moving as quickly as I can here. Emotion is the front end of authenticity with God and in any relationship. If you can't be emotionally authentic in your relationship right now, your authenticity is lacking. Ooh, that's a challenging statement. Is that a challenging? That's a challenging statement. I think it's a challenging statement. Well, it is for me. Because emotion is the thing that you can't just manage so easily and so quickly when you're in intimate connection with people. You can in when they say, how you doing? And it's like the neighbor next door and you're saying, hey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Great. Doing great. But you can't. If I say that to my wife and I'm not doing so good and I've had three days of not doing so good and I keep saying, I'm doing great. What kind of authenticity is that? So emotion is very key to the authenticity of any relationship. Okay, next, ready? Uh, another thing is you're gonna have to deal with is bitterness, okay? So we, we want to put forward this. You gotta choose. You literally have to choose gratitude, not bitterness. You say gratitude, that's really kind of strange. Uh, but look at Job, 122 to 20, 21 to 22. I came naked from my mother's womb, he said, and I shall have nothing when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and, the, and they were his to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or revile God. He chose a form of gratefulness. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he, he zoned it. He gave it. He took it. Another one out of Habakkuk, just because I have to move, okay? Got to rotate the wheels. So Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, even though the fig trees are all destroyed and there is neither blossom left nor fruit, though the olive crops all fail and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy in the God of my salvation. There's one thing you want to understand about gratitude and you want to understand this about bitterness. They are both a choice. 
You choose it. They're not something that you uh, don't have a choice in. You either choose it or not. You choose gratitude. You either choose happy or you choose bitter. So choice is the core response. When it comes to when things happen to us, you can't let bitterness come in. There's so much to be said on bitterness. But, you know, most of you have been taught here in this church in ways. So you have a, we've covered this subject on many different occasions. Let me just talk about this one word. I got I to gotta talk about one word with you. Frustrations. How many here recognize that word? How many can spell it backwards? <laughs> All right. Frustration. Common, everyday human emotion, right? Did anybody not get frustrated today at some one, at one time or another? Did you have a day off frustration? Because if you get a day off frustration, it's really rare, right? It's really, really rare. Because frustration is constant, it's present, it's because, well, because you're around. And you're around, and you're around, and you're around, and you're around, and you got people all around you. You got all kinds of things you can't control. Frustration is, a, is an interesting uh, word. You might be frustrated with work, marriage, your body, your relationships, your friendships, your parents, your kids, certainly your kids. Uh, Prime Minister. Prime Minister. This is being recorded, right? <laughs> you know what's at it. <laughs> Frustration's a very powerful thing because it's so regular. And it just kind of comes at you all of the time. But this is where God is saying, you got to tell me how you feel, and you can't turn that into bitterness. And that one of the great ways to deal with frustration is to have a very strong practice of gratitude. So even though we have questionable leadership at times, we have an amazing country, and we have an amazing place to live in the world. There's a sense of gratitude that underplays, that helps us when we are dealing with frustrations. And so this is very, very important for us to understand. So bitterness, otherwise, uh, bitterness really just, uh, just kind of begins to take over. Let's read another scripture uh, on that. Actually, let's just jump to the next one. Be with people who help you focus on God. There are people that help you focus on God, and there's people that help you focus on you or help you focus on anything but God. You actually, if you're going to turn circumstances that, that just seem so irreversible around, you gotta have a team approach to your life. You literally have to have that. Um, and, and so you wanna have people around you that are gonna push you towards God. They're, they're gonna keep your focus towards God. Look at this great scripture in Job 36, 18 through 24. Don't let your anger and the pain you endured make you sneer at God. Your reputation and riches cannot protect you from distress. You'll find a lot of people, when you go through stuff, they'll help you sneer at God. They will. They'll be very happy to jump on that train with you. Um, they, they will focus on you. Um, nor can you find safety in the dark world below. Be on guard. Don't turn to evil as a way of escape. 
Now, what are some of the evils? Well, people can turn to all kinds of things. We turn to all kinds of things just, just to deal with the pain, just to deal with pain of loss. Job, think of Job. He didn't dive into the things that he, he just got honest with God, honest with his buddies. He got honest and he said, here's how I feel. And he refused to get bitter and he kept the baseline of this gratitude in his life and he refused to get bought into this turning against God and work and then choosing evil ways to deal with it. Things, and evil, define it this way. Evil is not something outside just way over here. Evil is something that wants to have a hold in your life and it always comes in through the window of somehow dealing often with pain in your life. That's when you're going to drink too much. That's when you're going to take the wrong things. That's when you're going to eat too much. That's when you're going to get down on yourself. That's when everything that you see negative about you is going to come to the forefront. All of us have these things. All of us have different. It, it, it's the same list, but it's the same nature. And God says, basically here, Job is telling us at this time, don't turn to evil as a way of escape. God's power is unlimited. He needs no teachers to guide or correct him. Others have praised God for what he has done, so join with them. He's saying there's another group. There's another group that, hey, they've gone through stuff, and they've learned to praise God. In the middle of it, find that group. That's what you want. You want that kind of group in your life. Philippians 1.19 says, because you are praying for me in the spirit of Jesus Christ is helping me. I know this trouble will bring my freedom. Paul is writing here in, and talking to his team and he's saying, I know you guys are praying for me. Uh, it, it, it's working. Spirit of God is with me. Jesus is with me. I know that this trouble is going gonna, it, gonna to bring about my freedom. He's, he's just strong in the midst of it because of the team approach i got to move. Surrender your future to God. Surrender your future to God. Surrender is a key word. Um, here's where Job's wife was at. She was definitely not, yeah, she had gone immediately into a bitter state uh, with all the losses. And here's what she said to him, Job 2, 9 through 10. His wife said, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> Yeah, more or less, here's what she's basically saying. End this joke. Uh, Nelson paraphrased, but very accurate. Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Or another version puts it, you talk like a person that doesn't know God. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. By the way, that was a statement of worship. Should we accept only the good, not the bad? See, the focus for Job wasn't on the good that God did alone. It was on God. That's worship. Not whether what he did was good or bad. Matthew 6, 32, Jesus said, only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows you need all these. Now, let's, what's that about? If you're going to surrender your future, you're surrendering, uh, the thing that's going to fight you the most is your worry. Right? Would you agree with that? It's worry. It's going to come at you. You want to surrender, uh, you know, your future? 
uh, wow, like, I kind of feel better when I'm in control of everything. Most people around me don't, but I really feel much better. Surrendering the future, you have to deal with anxiety and worry because you're giving up ownership of something that you want to hold because it's about security for you. It's about the security of person, the security of your position, or security of something in your life. You're not having your security in God, number one. Uh, you didn't come to hear easy things, did you? Did you come to hear easy things? Because those are being said downstairs right now. Okay, we have another class going. Okay, right downstairs. They're saying nothing but easy things to you right now. You got your chance. Walk out now, okay? <laughs> At least I didn't get a nasty comment on that one. Last, trust Jesus before anything else. Before anything else. Nothing else comes into that position. John 16, 33, Jesus' own words. I've told you all this so that trusting me, he's, he's saying, you enter this state of trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. By the way, the way to increase your worry is for you to be in control more. Because then it, all you got to do is meet, meet a little bigger problem. None, a little bigger problem. And you begin to realize that I can't fix this, solve this, do this. You want to increase your anxiety, take control of your future more now. Put it into shakable things. Things that are highly volatile or anything like that. You trust Jesus before anything else. You will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, notice what Jesus says. He's saying, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. That's one promise of Jesus. It never makes it to the front of some teachers, you know. Um, I promise you, you're going to have more difficulties. They're not going to just go away. You are going to have losses in life. You're going to have challenges in life. You're going to have big things to wrestle in life. And I want to tell you that uh, I want you to take heart. Well, thanks for that, Jesus. Oh, but then the last phrase. He had to throw that in. I've conquered the world. There's nothing bigger than me, he's saying, in this world. So he says, I want you to trust me because I'm the biggest thing going. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing more stable. There's nothing, there's nothing more, more uh, that it can't be shaken. It's just solid. Now we finish up the story, Job 42.10. Nothing is, is irreversible for God. Here's what Job's story ends like. Here's the end. After Job had prayed for his friends. Now I just have to quickly qualify. The friends came to comfort Job, but they made one. All of their wisdom they give is very good. It's very, very good. It was just the wrong guy. Because they had made Job a sinner, and that's why God was bringing all this upon him, and Job hadn't done that. This was a test, not a judgment. 
wasn't that their advice wasn't bad. So at the end, God deals with the friends and says, you got one way out, guys. You, you get Job to pray for you. And if he will pray for you, I'll let you off the hook. Otherwise, I'm dealing with you. So Job prayed for his friends. And after he prayed for his friends, that was grace, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. He rebooted it. And it ended up with twice. Why do we get more when we practice these things? Number one, because we become more. Tests are about you becoming something that you're not right now. James. So when you go through these things, count it all joy because they're going to end up giving you the final product of endurance, a faith that won't be shaken. It's placed in unshakable things. Okay, you got some questions around your table. Going to release you to your tables. If you're the leader at the table, you got some questions to help lead in. You got the discussion. Put it underway. Let's go.